it's hard to read books. I mean, you know, I look at my life and with kids and work and all the all the crap you got to read online, all the fucking delicious TV there is to watch. Um, reading's hard. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Apecast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> so here's my question for you. Alright. You're a, a pretty certain guy. You have your opinions, you've you weigh things, you settle on your opinions based on facts and you know, you, you spend time for the most part. Sure. sure. I mean, you're pretty reactive part. a lot of times, but sometimes there's some reactive to it. And I would argue that I'm, I'm, I'm far less certain than I sound in both writing and yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, but that's the thing is that's why I, I it, to go back quickly and then, and then allow you to, to get to your point it, to, to go back quickly. It's one of the things that is, it, I think it was probably a result of, learning that debate uh, in high school, because I was a national champion debate, but mostly it was because it really was about convincing people I knew what I was talking about. That that was also by being the new kid so often, I always had to project a certain amount of confidence or I was just beaten up and thrown in a locker. Shit kicked out of you, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, part of my thing is I do, I, I come across pretty straight that this is what is true. This is what I believe to be true. And there are plenty of subjects that I'm not because I'm testing things out. I want to yeah. test things out. I want to throw it out as here's a truth. What do you think? I am listening. It may not seem like I'm listening. And that's really on me if I'm projecting that I don't give a shit what you say. However, um, I would say uh, about 50% of things I'm a little unsure of, and I and I would like more information. So I'm always looking for more information to change my mind. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I want a quick, just a quick deviation. I just want to call out a gross double standard. New kids in school. When you're a, a boy at a new school, there's yeah. risk of getting shoved into a lock and getting your ass kicked unless you come ha- in. Happened to like... me mul- yeah, multiple times. But if you're the new girl at school... Everybody wants a piece of you. Ooh, no, every new girl, every Ooh. boy. No, so I would argue okay, that right, every boy enough. wants a piece of you, but girls are far meaner than boys. But that's the boys will beat the shit out of you. And then the next day it's fine. Girls, they want, if they, if, if the gaggle of girls, that's what mean girls is all about. If the that's gaggle of girls, say, that's mean girls. Yeah. 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 The, if the gaggle well, of did, girls decide girls, you're not a part of the, you're not a part of the crew. They're going to make your life a living fucking nightmare. I would argue, and I read this once, that the internet call-out, you know, the, the call-out culture and the cancel yeah. culture is really uh, just a, a just a giant global white girl revenge is really what it is. It's white girl yeah. revenge. Maybe not white girl, but it's just girl revenge. Like adolescent, teen, ad, teen girl revenge. It's the way they do it. It's public shaming. It's reputational damage. It's but teasing it's, but it's and harassing. If you were a new it's girl, good. the boys would be all about you. As a new boy in school, were the girls all about you? No. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, no, so the, the, for you. the new boy, the the new girl at least has some some positive attention. The new boy is just going to get the shit kicked at him, and the girls are going to laugh at him. That's really my my early existence was having a fight, have, having to fend for myself, and of course, as we have talked about, chase women who didn't want me. So there you go. So, what is something that you've changed your mind about? Like we're also certain on so many things. What music we like, the art we like, the foods, places we visit. You know, we have an opinion on London or Israel. Hmm? Yeah. There's a little yeah. foreshadowing for you. But it's, it's what's the time frame about things. Yeah. What's the time frame? Um, like, like within my within life? Like, within the or last, within the last year? Let's say within the last year or so. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, okay. you know, what have you changed your mind about within the last year? And then how did that come to be? Because I've, I've got two right off the bat. That I can think okay. of. Well, share with, yeah, because I'm, I'm so, like, wow, that's a great question. It's a really good question. My first thing happened to me the other day. I have, are you familiar with the band Wilco? Yeah. Okay. I, I first heard about Wilco when I was living in Las Vegas. And everyone's like, oh my God, this band Wilco, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, and they're from Chicago. I will give an extra special listen to. So I gave a listen to Wilco and I was grossly underwhelmed. It wasn't bad. It was just, why is everybody freaking out about this band? It's, eh. It felt like to me, like people in Chicago were freaking out about Wilco the way that people in Las Vegas were freaking out about the Killers. Like, yes. They're good. They're good. But come on. But yeah. Calm like, down a little, you know. Yeah, yeah. Put it in perspective. Sure. So the other day, I was driving Harry to his dentist appointment, and the, I was listening to 93.1, and, uh, a Wilco, they're like, here's a new song from Wilco. And I'm like, all right, let's give it a go. And I listened to it and I, I, th- I thought it was good. Yeah. It's not, a, I'm not playing the song on repeat, you know, but I was like, okay. And I sent a text to Katie because she has often said like, you just don't like Wilco because everyone else does. And sure. Maybe there's some degree. Oh, I'm just, me, yeah. You know, I, I think but, she's probably quite accurate. I, I feel the same but about I did, the things I But I did give it a fair go. Yeah. But look, you know, so I, I sent her a text and said, and I, I just want you to know that I heard a new a new Wilco song, and I didn't hate it. I actually kind of liked it. And she just like hearted it, you know, hearted the text. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you got to try new things, you know. Like I don't, I hate beats, but every once in a while I will try them again because maybe this time I will I will like them. I used to not like uh, pecans or walnuts. Fucking love pecans and walnuts now. Okay. Think, think. So I mean, that's probably a mind so you, change, you know. Okay. Like, yeah, we, yeah. When you, when you, when you set this up, what have you changed your mind about? I mean, yeah. Okay. It turned like you know, it, it, well, you know, with a, that I, that I, that I have strong opinions. I, I think when it comes to like cultural or uh, cultural or artistic taste, I mean, this thing is like, if in terms of like a change this year, I've kind of embraced, uh, and I never was like a big listener of sort of like hard rock riot girl chick rock and roll never was really into it and i mean i I discovered dead sarah which is in la yeah and and i went this is fucking great and uh what's the latest one that i'm listening to daisy grenade is great i'm listening to daisy grenade now and it's like okay okay i it's i i can't even listen now to grown men 
doing hard rock because it's not as much fun as listening yeah. to these chicks <laughs> scream their ass off. And it's like, okay, so from a cultural standpoint, have I changed my mind? No, but I have discovered something new and I'm enjoying it. And I am. I've got a whole Chicago Redo playlist on my Apple that I work out to, and it is nothing but Royal Blood and Dead Sarah and fucking, uh, <clears throat> I can't think. Of, I mean, it's just like, it's all, you know, Riot girl yeah. shit, and I'm 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 kind of loving it, and so yeah, it, it, but I don't I don't know if that's the heart of what you're you're asking. Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I think it's just it's it's a bit of everything, you know, because some people will be like, oh, you know, there's here's a new song from Wilco. Not a like Wilco. I'm changing the radio station. Okay, I could easily do that's, that. That's fine. That's a personal preference. That's, I don't yeah. know if that's that counts as a a belief. Well, my or other big or my, yeah, or a hardcore mind thing. Go ahead, your other big thing. My other big thing was Israel. You know, I went in when, when I traveled to Israel back in June last yeah. year, you know, I had my opinions. Israel is the aggressor, but plays the victim really well. Israel is a country of, yep. you know, racist nationalists with a few good people. Cause it's, you know, but when I went there and I actually like shut up and listen to the real, I mean, there's still the issues. I mean, there's still, oh, yeah, there's all the issues, and but, it, and, but it's, know, we know more... the Israeli government's a piece of shit. Yeah. It's all just, just more like when Trump, was, when Trump was president, we weren't all a bunch of rioters. It was just a, a few of, well, not a few, but many rioters. Yeah. It, you know, but, um, you know, but my mind changed about Israel, not just cause like, oh yeah, not everyone's a fucking asshole, but just like, I was able to see firsthand how, and I, I knew this going into it, that it was a complicated situation, but like how, how complicated the complicated situation is in Israel. And that just helped me like look at everything differently. It helped even look at the asshole government differently. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, what kind of information does it take for us to change our opinions on things? And maybe this is a, a mindset too. Maybe you're changing your mind and your mindset, your approach, your approach Dude, to life. I've written two books. One, I believe is a sledgehammer. And the second is belief is a bulldozer. And it is, and I know, you know, that that's, I'm, I'm dabbling with the idea that the third one is belief is a thermonuclear, you know, bomb. Because the, the thing about it is what we believe if we're not able, and, and, and I don't even think it's that we're not able to take in new information is that the new information sometimes doesn't matter because you're so entrenched, so entrenched in your belief that nothing can, nothing can scale that wall. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, here's the thing that I, I think is even, and I'm not going to derail the question, but I think it's even more interesting to me is there, there was a period. Uh, and I don't know if, I don't think I knew you, then, but uh, at one point when WNEP Theater, which was the theater that I had founded and ran for 15 years in Chicago, um, the Department of Revenue came in <clears throat> and did a sweep and shut us down because they said we had a forged business license. Mm. And <clears throat> the thing was, I want to say probably more than half, like three quarters of the people in the theater company that I worked with every day totally believed that I forged the license. No matter what my protestations were. And one of the things Joe said at the time was I asked him if he thought I forged the license. He goes, no, because if you had forged the license, 
you wouldn't have gotten caught. <laughs> and I went, yeah, see, I yes, if I was going to forge a license, I would do it so well. But of course I didn't. Anyway, the question wasn't who believed me and who didn't believe me. It's that the people that didn't believe me didn't believe me. They believed I forged it because they wanted to believe that. It wasn't that the information was like overwhelming. It was just a sketchy either way. I mean, it literally was. Do you take the do you take these guys who took the license and didn't give it back to us? Do you take their word for it? Do you take my word for it? You get to choose why you believe what you believe. And so I think that's as much as an interesting question. It's like, okay, so if you believe the earth is flat, if you're a flat earther, the question isn't whether or not you're wrong, because you are decidedly wrong, yeah. but why do you want to believe it? What is the what is the reason behind wanting to believe something so obviously false? Well, I, I, I was thinking about when we were doing Bug House, you know, the whole point of that is, I mean, the goal is not to convince people or change people's minds as much as it's about the art of the dialectic. Like, how yeah. good is your argument structured? And I was thinking about this. Have, were there any bug house topics that I listened to or participated in that made me go, oh, you know, Bruce Wayne is the better billionaire vigilante than Tony Stark. You know, actually, I, I, I can't, I can't think of any, but it's also been a I while since of, we've done a I can think of a bunch of them. The one that really stood out to me was the one, uh, and, and I wasn't actually in, I can't remember. I, I don't know if I was in Chicago or not, but Chris Churchill got, it was about the MAGA hat. It was about the MAGA hat. Oh, and yeah. was the MAGA hat, you know, and his <laughs> argument was that it was basically a different version of a Cubs hat. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I went, that was such, and I went, you know, you're fucking right. Cause I would, I would get to, you know, I was like every, every other knee jerk liberal where somebody would show up with a MAGA hat and I'd immediately get my, oh, you motherfucker. Oh. And, once he kind of, and that did actually, and it wasn't, I think maybe that's what changes my mind because it's not, I, you know, new information will change my mind. Give you a perfect example. COVID hits. I'm working in the casino. We hear about COVID. We don't know that they haven't shut Vegas down. The world hasn't shut down, but there we're hearing about COVID. And some people in the casino are worried about it. And at mm -hmm. the time, I remember I was making jokes about how it was going to be no worse than the flu and that I was, as soon as COVID hit, I was going to run around and lick everybody's drinking glasses. You know, we were making jokes, right? Yeah. Well, within two weeks later, it became really apparent that this was much more serious than yeah. what I, and I changed my fucking mind. And they asked, why did you change your mind? There are some doctors that say this isn't real. And I said, well, here's the thing. I appreciate that there are some doctors that don't believe in it, but I can say that what I will do when it comes to these kind of things, these big global things, is I will go with the consensus of expert opinion. Mm -hmm. And when the consensus of expert opinion says this is the thing, um, given that I am not a scientist, nor am I a doctor of any kind, nor do I have any training in that, and I have no basis to expect anybody to believe anything that I have to say when it comes to those things, I'm going to go with the consensus climate change. Yeah. Yeah. There are people that say, ah, this is just this is the way it always has been. We're just experiencing later. And well, 97% of credible, credible scientists say, yeah, this is, this is a thing. It's our fault. Um, and we can do something to change it. And so 
given that I am not a scientist of fucking yeah. any kind, um, and I and I have very, my reaction to the weather is the whim of the fucking weather. I do not have control. I go with the consensus of the credible scientists. So that's how I really good example of how people either change their mind or refuse to. Yeah. When, like you were saying, you know, in the beginning, I remember I was in Kansas city for the super bowl for that super bowl trip I used to take. And it was like, COVID was like, just, but like, there's, there's this new thing in China, you know, and it was like, Oh, another fucking gross thing happening in China because they eat bats or whatever. Ha ha ha. We'll be fine. This shit never comes across the, con- the 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 seas to really get us. So yeah, making jokes. Then I had like a week later, I had a meeting with my CEO because I just started the company. So I was like, hey, David, I'm in town. Let's meet. So we got together and she was like, yeah, I'm really worried about this COVID thing. And in my mind, I thought, bitch, come on. Fuck off. But I was, and I remember saying to her, I was like, I, yeah, I'm not that worried about it. And she was like, well, you know, so we were just chatting. And then, you know, like two weeks after that, it was like, oh, fuck, this is some serious shit. And I thought, thank God my CEO was concerned about this because we handled it really well. Like there were some layoffs, but then we hired some people back. And we just, we, I think we handled it really, really well from a business standpoint, all things considered. Yeah. And then, and I was talking to my dad about it in the beginning. And he was like, David, this isn't a big thing. I was talking to a doctor from the temple, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Who's this? And this was like when things were really ramping up and looking. Scary. Yeah, yeah, things getting. And I was like, scary. Well, "Who's the doctor?" And he was like, "It's Doctor Hall. I don't know whoever the guy's name was." And I was like, "Okay, what kind of doctor is he?" He's a plastic surgeon, David. See, the, yeah, there, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So when you're talking about like I, yeah. the experts, like, is that person a medical person? Yes. Yeah, just because just because you have doctor, you know what 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 kind of doctor is he? Well, he's a doctor of divinity. Yeah, fuck off. Oh, it's side side story to that. Years ago, I was dating this girl. I went on a couple dates with this girl. She was a, a dermatologist, and I don't know how we got on the topic, but it was something like that, like somebody with a PhD, like Jarrett, who's got a PhD in English, who is also a doctor, but is not the same kind of doctor as. A medical doctor, obviously. Yeah. This, this girl that I was dating was saying something like, yeah, well, they're not a real doctor. And I'm like, well, they're not a medical doctor. She goes, well, if they're on an airplane and somebody needs CPR, they can't give that to them. And I said, wait a minute. I don't hold, a, I don't hold any kind of doctorate degree, medical or PhD or anything otherwise. But I know CPR. I could do that. Like, you've fucking idiot so yeah but yeah. you know the point is like but i'm not gonna listen to dr jared Keene, who knows you know about skin health but i will listen to this girl that i dated because she's a dermatologist i will not listen to her about jet kirby i will listen to jared Keene about that because that's his because expert that's, area yeah there's so, yeah, there's an area to listen and i think it comes down to that willingness to learn as we go with COVID. it was like oh it's not that big of a deal oh we should wear masks Okay, we should only wear masks when we're inside. All right, now we have to wear them outside. Okay, we don't have to wear. We were learning things because this was yeah. to we everyone. Hey, I remember. I remember when it was that you had to disinfect surfaces, and I remember because at the casino I had disinfecting to spend, your food. I, I, you know, it's like okay, oh so God. I get it. 
But the thing about it is, and this is what I said at the time, because uh, I remember we had a couple of folks that worked at the casino at the time that were really upset about it. Very anti-government, very you can't make me wear a mask kind of bullshit. It's like, oh, that's fine. And my response to every, every to customers that came in and guests that were like pissed off they had to wear a mask to everybody that was pissed off that we had to routinely, like once every hour, go with this this disinfecting spray gun like and yeah. it looked like a spray bottle it was like a gun where it's like yeah. whoa, whoa. it's kind of a cool gun it kind of looked it's very like space a fogger yeah it's like a fogger very cool um but you know we had to go and disinfect all the machines and people would bitch about that and my answer to that every time was i don't know but how is this if erring on this you know side of caution is like the smarter thing how does it hurt you how does it hurt to disinfect the stinkiest, shittiest cigarette-filled machines you'll ever find on the planet Earth? How is that a bad thing to disinfect them once an hour? Not. Doesn't hurt anybody. Is it really that big a hardship to wear a fucking mask if you want to go indoors? No. It, I don't like it. Nobody liked it. Nobody likes it, right? Yeah, you know? And, you know, so it's like, I get it. No, it, it, I'm trying to think. It's like, all right, so what... Has something in the last year I have changed my mind about that? I will say, I thought of something while we're talking. One of the things very interesting to me is that, uh, as you well know, I've been working for this uh, multiple radio stations, this company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my tendency, I believe, Sledgehammer, I believe that (laughs) through the shit, through the sheer will of my desire, like, like if I, if I get in there and I fucking apply myself and I give you 150% of all my energy, you, it's just going to work and you're going to go for it. And it's and my industry will convince you that shit should happen the way I think it should happen. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, you know, I tend to be an overachiever in a lot of ways. Well, what I discovered with this job was when I hit the ground running, I got the job for the first three months, man, I was doing all that. I was like, I was excited about, it. I was, creating things and I was, you know, thinking about events and all that. And it wasn't like I had my wings clipped so much as it was explained to me in no uncertain terms by the general manager that he didn't give a shit about how hard I was going to work, do what he wanted wanted me to do, and no more. He wanted no inter- I mean and, and he was pretty clear about it. He didn't want innovation. He didn't want new stuff. Right. Do it exactly the way it was done before. And I did. It's not like, and that's one of the things that I've learned is that it's not disheartening. It's I, you know, I can't stay here at any for any length of period because it's fucking boring. But instead of like any other job I've ever done in my life, giving one hundred and fifty percent, they're like if they're getting twenty percent of me on a good day. Mm-hmm. And and I don't feel bad about that. Or for a while there, I felt really shitty about it because like yeah, you know. But do I want to fight that fight? And if there's anything that I'm, I've learned, maybe in even like the last year and a half, maybe it's taken longer because I did write a book called More, Spurkles, More Spock, Less Kirk. Yep. So I think that might have been the beginning of that journey. It's like, okay, I, you pick your fights. And, and is it really that important to win a fight about something meaningless? You know, and honestly, the the bottom line for you know a couple of radio stations in Wichita, Kansas, and not to be a snob, but fuck off, I, it's that has zero impact on my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like so. 
kind of picking the battles and, and I'm getting better. So maybe my mind has changed that, that my, my mediocre white guyness just isn't enough. <laughs> and you know, if it's not enough, maybe I just move on to something else where it, where it is enough, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it's up to the challenge. Like there are just certain Hills that I'm not willing to die on anymore. I used to die on every Hill presented. If there was a Hill, it didn't matter if the hill had anything yeah. to do with me. I was ready to fucking die on that goddamn hill because yeah, go, 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 Rambo. Now it's like yeah, <laughs> I I pick my hills, and and if it's a great big hill, and I don't really give a shit about it, then I you know ultimately you're talking about uh, Israel, mm-hmm. and and what I've had a couple of people get really kind of upset with me because I refuse to take a stand. Because and you refuse like, to take a stand. Yeah, I, I don't what does have that an mean? opinion. Take a stand and oh, just have an opinion about it. Or I like, don't. Mark. No, my my answer is I don't fucking care. I don't live there. Mm-hmm. My answer to the whole thing is, guess what? There's there are a dozen fucking wars with dozens with thousands of atrocities going on, and I have zero control over it. Okay, unless I am willing to put the fucking boots on, hop a goddamn flight and fly to the fucking Gaza Strip, my involvement in that is nil. So having an opinion about it doesn't change anything. And so when I when people are confronted with they, 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 it, I just don't even respond. And they're like, what the fuck? Don't you care? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, let's be honest. I don't fucking care. It's a terrible thing. Do you care about the tsunami that wiped out or the, the, the earthquake that wiped out some Japanese? Probably not. Why? You're not there. And the reason you changed your mind on Israel not, was not because, well, they're just a compelling argument. You went there. Yeah. You were there. And when you were there, you saw something you hadn't expected and it changed. Maybe it didn't change your mind, but it changed your perspective. Yeah. Okay. Maybe if I go to the Gaza Strip and I see the squalor, Sure, but watching video does not change my mind anymore. It used to be a very you know, watching a million videos of you know you see a million videos of of young black men being shot by cops, and you go, motherfucker, that's an epidemic. And then you look at the actual numbers and know that in 2022, 2022, 12 unarmed black men were killed by police in the entire country. And you go, well, wait a minute. 19 were killed by being struck by lightning. So I'm pretty sure that's not a fucking epidemic. So, and it's not like, I don't think it's a horrible thing, but it's like, yeah, okay. It's not that it's not as big as you made it video. Do I think that there are white women or Latino women or women in general, constantly screaming in the faces of customer service people so that they can then people videotaping. I think there are a lot of videotapes out of it, Do I think that's an epidemic. No, I think there's certain moments that get caught on camera. Yeah, there's the thing that changed my mind. What you see is not always the reality, and no yeah. matter and and if people are really really telling you this is true, I kind of want to say if if people are on the bandwagon, maybe this is where it comes to the Wilco. Yeah, if everybody's saying it, it's probably not right because my belief is, I never thought that revolution was just doing what everybody else did. I mean that's. Yeah, kind of the antithesis. That's my point. And so, so like, be revolutionary. Believe it, it's, it's like it's, it's like the uh, again. I I don't care. So it doesn't matter to me if if uh, transgender 
women believe they're women or I don't care. I'm not a transgender woman or a transgender man. I, you know, I'm not dating anybody that's trans. Nobody in my family is transgender. Okay. It's not an issue that affects me. So my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. It just means that my opinion doesn't affect the debate in any way, shape or form. Um, And so, you know, it's like, you know, I look at my mom I love my mom uh, dearly, but I think that for the same reason, you know, for for the same reason that some some kids think that being non-binary is a thing, my mom thinks Jesus is God. I don't believe it. I think it's a mental illness, but okay, I love my mom. Do I want to argue with her about it? No, that argument doesn't serve anything. The Jesus thing, when you were talking about um, COVID earlier and with the, you know, the fog gun. Like, look, what's the harm in disinfecting these gross things anyway? Exactly. That is something that religious people have said. Hey, look, we don't know for sure if there's a heaven or a hell. But isn't it just, what's the harm in just believing in it? Because if there is, well, so you know, here's, then here's the, you're first There's no line, harm, you know. There's, and my answer is there's no harm for you to believe in it. But for you to insist that I do is fucking obnoxious. Well, but why don't you? You know, well, so then it's disinfect. Like, why not? What can it hurt? Why not believe not, in Jesus or God or, you know, whatever it is? Because, because what can it hurt? And then when my you die and there's is, no heaven, nothing happens. You lose nothing. If you die and, my, and you go to the pearly gates, holy shit, thank God I put in the time. And my answer is that's no different than really, really taking a stand of anti Zionism or pro Palestinian or whatever it is, really taking a stand but not putting any skin in the game. If you just say, I believe it because I could be wrong, that's some weak ass sauce, my friend. It's, it's just weak. Did your mom go to church? Yo, know, fucking yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. she's a very, that's the thing. She is very, she goes to Bible study. She's, you okay. know, and it's like, I respect that. I respect that there's there, there that she's got skin in that particular game. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Spending all of spending that much that amount of time worried about what's going to happen after I die. Not interested. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking. I was actually thinking. I've been thinking about uh, uh, getting another tattoo. And I I will say I'm really glad I didn't get a tattoo after the divorce because it would have been very. It's like you know, three strikes, right? All kinds of, like all kinds of things about the divorce. It's like, nah, so I'm glad I held off. I'm glad I held off on that. Um, now I'm starting to think about, it, it kind of goes to uh, the quote from last week and and sort of a whole, I, I got to figure out what I want to put on my body. But the, the whole, one of, one of the things that I thought about is just like the words be of use. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, nobody, nobody in the free world, really. I mean, maybe three people give a shit what I think about anything, but that doesn't mean I can't be of use. Yeah, and 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 helpful in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all. But I thought, well, no, uh, I mean, I think it's a complicated question because, um, you know, sometimes our mind changes slowly over the years, um, like my opinion on religion didn't happen in a moment. It was a series of events that caused me to look at things differently and go, yeah, I can't be a part of this, this dogma, this club, this group of not even zealots, just this group of people. Yeah. It it doesn't, doesn't fit with what makes sense to me. It, you know, um, and I, we've talked, you know, about what got me there before. 
is there a hill that you are still willing to die on that you think, I mean, you know, never say never. Like I was never going to join a fraternity. I was never going to have a cell phone. I bought my first cell phone from a fraternity brother. You know, like he was he was working at the Sprint store, and I bought it from him. That's funny. You know, like yeah, things, things change, things happen, and but like, well, they're they're actually in terms of a hill that affects me directly that I will die on, and this is relatively new. Is is uh, you know, I it's I, I won't make a generalization that all marriage is a failed experiment. I won't make that. I won't make that generalization, but I will make the. I will make the very specific thing that, for the same reason that I don't try to be an astronaut, I shouldn't try to be married. <laughs> yeah. All right. The. I think that there's one hill. If there's something that I probably, I probably will not change my mind on. You know, never say never. But yeah because I feel so strongly about it and have felt so strongly about it for as long as I can remember. It is that Hotel California is a fucking garbage piece of shit song that should never be played anyway. And now, we're sack of the news. In Steamboat, Willie Goes the Way of Dracula and Abe Lincoln, from Vice.com, widely hyped Mickey Mouse horror game sure looks sketchy as hell because Steamboat Willie is now in the public domain. <laughs> Before I heard the actual <laughs> the actual news that Steamboat Willie, that Mickey was in public domain, I got a text from my buddy Patrick that was... Steamboat Willie, you know, Mickey at the at the wheel. But his pants were unzipped and his little <laughs> Mickey Mouse dick was hanging out. And I was just like, what the fuck? And then it was, you've probably seen it, but Mickey Mouse at the wheel, but he's flying a plane. And then like the next picture is the plane going into the tower, one of the towers. Uh, dude, yeah, no, what's... I think, first of all, I don't, I don't know about this video game. But, I just I read that that was the of all the of all the things that I looked at that made me laugh about what people were doing with it yeah. is they're making a Steamboat Willie video game and and the image I mean it looks like straight out of a like a Bloomhouse film it looks fucking creepy and it's like yeah yeah it looks it sketchy as um hold on widely hyped I'll look uh, I have to open it up but it, it's it's uh, AI voices. It was it was announced less than 24 hours after Mickey's first cartoon entered the public domain. Um, it's called <laughs> it's called Infestation 88. There it is. I see it. Oh my god. Oh, that's so. Fuck? See right right. Are you looking at the, you're like it looks like oh it just looks uh it's a co-op survival horror game. Set in the I world in 1988, and you play a member of Exterminators called out to treat a mysterious infestation. Oh, lots of rats and a nightmarish version of Steamboat era Mickey. That just I shit, think it's great. I, it just made know, me laugh so hard that I was going to die. 
I love how quickly people have taken. They're like, "Yep, now's the time we can finally do this thing we wanted to do." Mickey Mouse. People, it's like sitting. It's on. like people were just waiting, waiting just for dying it. to yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that Disney hasn't found a way around that. Well, they, that's the thing is they found a way out of out of copyright law for for Mickey Mouse. Yeah, like in court cases for like the last fifty years. I don't know how many years yeah. it is, and so they've been delaying it. But at a certain point, and, and they and they're also Disney is also very clear when this happened, and they knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. Yeah, they made it very clear that the only image of Mickey Mouse that is open for public domain is the specific image it's, of Steamboat Willie. Yeah, so it's not like Mickey Mouse or Goofy, none of those characters. But don't don't you fuck with Mickey Mouse, and we're ready to litigate against your ass. It's got to be yeah. specifically that image, and specifically this. That's like that's very funny to me. But that's what makes it even better is like because it is specifically that one little cartoon from 1928 or 31, Something, whatever the hell it is. Whatever it is, yeah. You know, it just it really does lend itself to a lot of a lot of fun. Oh, that yeah. people are gonna get nasty with it. And I think Texas has made its point. <laughs> Some newly arrived migrants are sleeping in city buses while waiting for shelter space from Block Club Chicago. Wait, they're waiting for Block Club Chicago they are to give a, them shelter space? No, Block, sh- from Block, Block Club, Club Chicago... Chicago reported that some okay. newly arrived I wanted to make sure that you knew it was a Chicago story and it doesn't okay. say it in the headline but some newly arrived migrants are sleeping in city buses while waiting for shelter space there's not enough room for them cuz Texas and Florida just keep sending them up north and you know to I, I guess my perspectives I think maybe they made their point they were bitching about immigration law because it was their cities and now it's our cities and it's like okay i I think i think it's less about texas making the point i think the point to be made is that chicago at the beginning of of this migrant situation quote unquote crisis chicago was real quick to stand up and say we are a welcoming city we what's what do they call them um sanctuary city thanks thank you we are a sanctuary city Send us your huddled masses. Send us your, you know, <laughs> that whole thing. So Which they did. Like, in theory, yeah, man, let's fucking take care of our fellow humans. You know, we're a big city. We have a lot of, we got a lot of space. We have a lot of empty buildings. Um, you know, people aren't returning to downtown after COVID. Like, let's make use of this shit. But Chicago, in typical Chicago fashion, is not prepared to do the good thing. Just like New York. New York is the same way. Come on in, Sanctuary City. We're going to do it. Okay, we'll send you all all these fucking immigrants that are coming across our borders. Send them to your borders. And all of a sudden, Eric Adams was like, we're full. Go away. We well, can't. He went He went to Venezuela and begged people not to come to New York. <laughs> New York's mayor is... New York's mayor is... A, I just think it's funny. He's, yeah. he's kooky as shit. But you know, Chicago had... Um, they had a, a, a sanctuary set up, but then they realized that it was um, completely, wholly and horribly unhealthy. It was contaminated. It was like, what are you guys doing? But I guess if they're sleeping in buses, at least that is that helping them get out of O'Hare for fuck's sake? I don't know. <laughs> they're it's sleeping warmer, on the floor of O'Hare. Than, yeah, it's warmer than frozen. All right. In, hey, I'm getting an inkling. We're in the wrong business. 
According to todayyougov.com, 54% of Americans read one book this year. <laughs> Interesting, because I was reading a story, one of my stories last week, recommended stories in the, um, was in the Atlantic, was about what, what kids are reading now. That like, kids are still, re people are still reading books. That only like, 46% of them have read more than one book yeah. in the entire year. That's pretty sad. I mean, by the way, by the way, I've tabulated. I, I made a total of $436.39 in royalties for the books that I published this year. Okay. Which isn't even, which isn't even a rent check. But it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. It certainly is in, in that context. If somebody said, Hey, you want 436 for all the labor that you put into a book or a stick in the eye, I think I'd definitely elect for the 436 bucks. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to read books. I mean, you know, I look at my life and with kids and work and all the, all the crap you got to read online, all the fucking delicious TV there is to watch. Um, reading's hard. In the stupidity of Americans <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. Are you ready for this headline? Uh -huh. First of all, it's the longest headline I've read. I don't, I've never read a lot of headlines what's, that I thought was. What's the news source? This is the PR Newswire. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. White Claw launches radically new beverage for adults that tastes and feels like an alcoholic drink without the alcohol. White Claw 0% alcohol is a breakthrough that redefines drinking. Okay. Here's why. <laughs> Pierre Newswire. So Pierre Newswire is, it's, it's public relations. So yeah, the headlines are going to be longer. It's that still headline a headline is egregiously it's longer. It's ridiculous, but it's it's also searchable. That is SEO. That is stuffed to the to the. Oh yeah, you know, no, no, the, no. That's all it is to the hilt. Literally, li literally, all that is is a series of SEO keywords launched into it's like a seven, headline. Seven Buzzfeed yeah. clickbait headlines. Yeah, yeah. No question about it. That's why I um, hate that so kind of writing. White Claw is worth drinking because it's non-alcoholic but tastes like alcohol. Uh okay. I mean, I guess if, I guess that's good for people who, you know, shouldn't or have chosen to not drink alcohol, okay. but miss but, the taste. But David, but David, seriously, seriously, who drinks alcohol for the flavor? Yeah, I think about if, that. I, yeah, if it's just I, the flavor of alcohol, then, 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 then fucking grain alcohol and, and, and mash would be selling out because that is the most alcoholic. It's the thing that tastes the most like gasoline. So if, the, if it's, I want the taste of alcohol, but not the drunk, you know, it's like I, I see, I see in my mind this despairing Gen Z woman who, who has identity issues. 
and has has gone online and self-diagnosed herself with PTSD and she's unhappy with her life and she's required to work a job and she doesn't like anything and people are mean to her and she goes to get a white claw. Why? Not because she likes the taste of alcohol, because she wants to be obliterated and not remember how shitty her life is. She gets one of these drinks and she drinks it. It goes, it tastes like I should be drunk, but I'm not drunk. And that gives her one more reason to be unhappy <laughs> i mean look if, if you want to get drunk get obliterated don't start with white claw like go to the grain go to the mash this That's is first of all. this is fair this is fair second of all if you grab a non-alcoholic drink that's on you like i'm not you know check the label but i think i mean it's it's fine i i, I don't i mean i didn't start drinking because of the taste now I can be like, I'm in the mood for this kind of bourbon, or I'm in the mood yeah, for this kind you of can, scotch. You can learn to like beer. taste. Yeah, you can learn but to I, like I the think, taste. I, I like rye whiskey for, most of all, but this is for fucking posers. The right marketing move is to put these White Claws uh, next to the Oreos and the coffee at AA meetings. Because here, okay. enjoy you know, the feel of holding a alcoholic beverage in your hand See, enjoy the taste of one alcohol but you're not giving in to the alcohol that makes you the monster that you are which is why you're an aa if i were the type of person that went for every hill that i could die on mm -hmm. anymore um what i'd like to do is just dress up as charles bukowski and every time I saw some somebody one of these with one of these white claws just run up and beat the shit out of them do you feel this way about O'Doul's? If you see somebody drinking an O'Doul's? Yes. Jesus. If you can't fucking handle the alcohol, drink a Coke. Shit. In something no one could have predicted ever. Newly unsealed court records named Bill Clinton among Jeffrey Epstein Associates. <laughs> I, so I missed this. This is this is now immediate. This is breaking news to me. Oh, okay, yeah. They they unsealed all the all the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is on that list too. Well, obviously. Well, see, but this is things. These aren't yeah, surprising. I, on the other hand, just because they were friends, anybody that thinks that Bill Clinton and Leonardo DiCaprio ever had to pay for sex, ever. Are fucking fooling themselves. These guys were not going to the Epstein party so that they could pay for underage sex. They were just kind of hobnobbing with all the guys that were. Associ guilt by association is a fallacious, uh, fallacious bullshit. They, 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 they were not guilty, but it was not a shock to me that Bill Clinton was on a list of uh, a convicted and then suicidal uh, sex trafficker. That doesn't surprise me. Why is anybody shocked by this? Oh, the list is hoot. It's a hoot. I'm I'm looking at the list right now. Yeah, Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah, you're right. Not surprised. Yeah. Wait, former Vice President Al Gore and former Second Lady Tipper Gore? You see what I'm saying? The, okay, the, so they weren't on the island. Yeah, I mean, you got to I guarantee this. you Tipper Gore was not paying for underage sex, and I guarantee you Al Gore was not either. Even I mean, though Michael if I were Jackson married, if I, there's no if I were Michael married Jackson to paying to have yeah. sex with young girls, if I were married to Tipper Gore, I might consider paying for sex with someone else, but that's a whole, that's Al's thing. That's Al's thing. Yeah. I, oh, I have to, I have to read this closer, but yeah, like, I don't believe that Michael Jackson was fucking little girls. We know little boys are his thing. So yeah, but that's, oh, Billy.
Yeah. Yeah. And finally, in, you know, maybe, maybe we're really in the wrong business. Yeah. From InsideRadio.com report Odyssey preparing to file for bankruptcy within weeks. I mean, big podcast platform. But just if, if you're not if you're not familiar with this and you're listening, to Odyssey is a big pl- podcast platform, and they are filing for bankruptcy because apparently there's no fucking money in it, or or the money's dried up, or what, or they just mis- mismanaged their radio stations. Who the I fuck think knows? It's probably it's probably a bit of both. I mean, we know that there's I money in right. podcasting. I mean, that's how we're able to afford our food, right? Because we're making a shit ton. Yeah, I mean, there is money we, yeah. in podcasting. Like, you know, Mark Marin, I'm sure, is making plenty of money with his podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm uh, sure, yeah, but, you know, that's it's but, sort of yeah, like I saying think, that there's a lot of money in acting because Tom Cruise is a multi-billionaire. Right. You know, that ain't it. I'm sorry. Or, that just doesn't count. It's, I mean, podcasting is a crowded sector. So, this, you know, Odyssey, it sounds like it was mismanaged. You know, there's plenty of opportunity, Odyssey, but... You know, if you're not supplying the right kind of supply to meet the demand, that's, I mean, I, again, I haven't read the story. I'm just assuming because there's demand. So there is demand. How are you going bankrupt? That's, yeah, that's, that's interesting to me. And now an extraneous quote of the week. To ponder as you consider life's most pressing sources. All right, quote of the week. This comes from our good friend, George Bernard Shaw. Progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. I like this because the a lot on the progressive side, there's a lot of stridency, a lot of hills with dead people on them on the, on the progressive side of things, which is what makes progress so slow, so difficult, and sometimes feel like it's just never going to happen. I would take issue with the the thing is I think the biggest impediment to progress is not people changing their minds. I think the biggest impediment to progress is people changing their tactics. I would argue that that's, I think, a mind, that's changing your mind. That's a change in mindset. Yeah, or a change you in know, approach. Right, I'm no longer, I, I need to, I need to convince Don of this one thing, and I'm going to yell at him about it and tell him that that's wrong and, and stupid. And when that's that, not right, and when that when doesn't, I provide, yeah. you know, context and facts and a kind approach, a respectable approach to it versus yelling at you that you're wrong and you need to think my way. That's a change in my mindset and my approach, my tactic that then could perhaps change right. your mind. That's because fair, you're like, Oh, I'm willing fair to distinction. listen to you. Yeah. That's a fair distinction. Yeah. That's a good quote. No, I agree. I think, uh, I think we've, well, I, you know, I, part of it is I think because, and I know, you know, this sounds like, Oh man, yelling at the clouds. But I, I, I've, I've looked at my sister is a teacher in high school here now, and I was a teacher in middle school in the 90s. And the difference is staggering. I mean, just the difference in the culture is staggering. And one of the things that I, I haven't quite figured out what when it flipped 
that adults suddenly started thinking that they needed to take children seriously. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, knowing, knowing all the facts that children don't know anything, haven't had any experiences, are basically stupid little monkeys, uh, teenagers are just generally a hormonally charged id and desperate to stand out and get attention. All right, we know all this. This is not, like, unusual. But suddenly in the last, it seems like in the last 20 years, I don't even know what the timeline is, we suddenly are taking children seriously and the problem with that is that when you take a stupid person seriously who has not learned anything about the tactics that can change or not change you end up getting adults who cannot get their way in a walmart and their response is to walk through and destroy displays on their way out which is just a fucking tantrum of a five-year-old it's a grown human being there is a there's become a disconnect I don't believe we should ever take children seriously because I lived through and watched the McMartin trial where this poor family of preschool teachers got demonized by the whole world because some therapists thought they could pull out re re repressed memories from five-year-olds of being physically abused and made to Satan worship, which turned out was a whole bunch of... Do not believe children. They are little liars. They are making shit up. They will scream and cry to get what they want. I'm sorry. Because all you're training them to do is scream and cry when they're adults. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing this week is a read in the Atlantic. Why parents struggle so much in the world's richest country. Raising kids shouldn't be this hard by Stephanie H. Murray. And maybe it has, I, you know, ultimately it's about, um, it's hard to do because your children are liars and they're stupid and that makes it hard to spend money. No, I don't know. Um, but no, it's a great question and it's an interesting story about, you know, I don't make bad money. But oh my God, I don't have enough money to do this. And I don't like travel a whole lot. I don't have expensive habits. I'm not buying new clothes every week. I don't have, yeah, I don't have expensive. I was just going to say, I don't have like expensive scotches. I don't have those expensive habits. I'm not into cocaine, you know. But oh my God, it is, just, it's expensive. It's expensive to feed them. It, it, I'm not saying anything new. You know this. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting read. And it just points out uh, just it, how much it feels like America really hates Americans. My first thing is a watch. It's on Netflix. It is Dave Chappelle, The Dreamer. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, and there, and there are some that will argue, like you mentioned, uh, Ricky Gervais, uh armageddon you know that there's there's a little bit of you know old man starting to yell at the the people here's and i i take it in a completely different way in fact i wrote a piece for the ape last week called the hornet that stings mm -hmm. and it, it's basically the gist of it is dave Chappelle. it i think it is quite true to the fact that he just like in the last couple of years won the mark twain award 
yeah. is that his stand-up is so well connected, and he is he is such a master of the setup piece of information for the callback later. That the hour is so cohesive, it could be a book that that maybe one of those fifty four percent would read. The one book they'd read would be this special. No, you don't have to read it. You can watch it. It's very funny. It's very pointed. He, I think it's, he is a truth teller. And like I said, this thing, I wrote this in the piece. Comedy is either making fun of ourselves or making fun of others. Mm-hmm. And when you tell the kind of person that wants to get up on a stage and try to make you laugh, not to joke about something specific, eventually they can't fucking help themselves so i think all that dave Chappelle's getting for the last couple of years is you can't joke about trans and he's like really you can't so what are you going to do about it? let me do it what are you going to do to me zero and millions will watch it it's hysterical i love it yeah it's um it was great uh, that's also one of my things this week mm. and yeah i agree i you know worship uh Gervais was, you know, like this is why things are funny. Was kind of like the the thesis. It's, yeah, he's, he's like yeah, he's, he's like figured. last two or three specials. I feel yeah. have that that common theme. Um, Chappelle is a master God, at good. what he does. Um, he is. I, I guess I would call him a satirist. I mean, he did win the Mark Twain Award for God's sakes, and Mark Twain is you know I, America's greatest. You know, I don't. I yeah, I think there's. I I don't know if he's entirely a satirist, um, but yeah, I can see. I can see where that comes from. Yeah, I can see. I, mean, I can Chappelle see the angle show, there. Chappelle's show was satire. that was satire. His you stand-up know. is is less satire than it is sort of that age-old, and it's a comedic. You know, and it goes back to the greats. It's a comedic device of. Pointing out the hypocrisies of the people yeah. of the people that, in, in his mind, he perceives as being in charge. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always been Monty Python did it to the church with Life yep. of Brian and fucking everything else they did. Everything else, like yeah. the church, the church was in charge, told you what you could and couldn't do, and their response was: as soon as the church wasn't like hanging people in the streets for her- her- heresy, they went, you know what? Fuck you, church. Let me tell you what I think. And and literally what I think Dave Chappelle does is he very creatively and I think very effectively says, yeah, is everybody else noticing that this is a bunch of bullshit, which is no different than a Jerry Seinfeld saying, have you tried the airport food? You know, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a larger airport food. Have you looked at this debate that makes no sense? Let's have that conversation. Let me tell you a story. His opening, his opening joke. Yeah. Is one of the funny because I had no, I loved the derailment. I had no idea where he was going with it, talking about meeting Jim Carrey, who at the time, because he didn't use the words, but at the time, wanted everybody to call him Andy because he was playing Andy Coffin in the movie. The fact that that was like a 10 minute trans joke is, and, and is a really interesting story by itself, is one of the, I just like, I thought that was the fucking greatest. It was great. It was great. Yeah, he had some really good. Um, really good moments. It's not his best stand-up, ha-ha, laugh out loud, belly laugh, falling no. on the floor, but some really good moments. I mean, his the play that he writes 
or the play that's, that he's writing, whatever. That oh my, I don't God, even want, I don't even want funniest. to describe. No, it no, you have to watch it. But it is the funny. That's one of the funniest, most pointed jokes I have ever heard. And again, he's he makes fun of trans people. He makes fun of white liberals. He makes fun of gays. <laughs> he makes fun of black people. Everything in that joke. He literally is aiming a scatter gun at the world and saying, "You people suck." It's, it's, it's not even, I don't even know if it's a scattergun. It is like he's like the fastest sniper. Um, okay, maybe that's it. You know, yeah, because because yeah. every shot is so perfectly right between and it the just eyes. Hits. Yeah, and just really boom, good, boom, really boom, 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 boom. Yeah. All right. So All right that's, my second, uh, my second thing. thing. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I feel. All right, my second thing is uh, I've been watching a lot because of my plan to uh, as as a new advocation uh, learn to really be a great chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I get to Chicago, uh, go to Kendall College and learn, you know, all that kind of good shit. I've been watching a lot of, lot of cooking shows, a lot of cooking shows. And so I'm going to recommend one because it is super entertaining and not, it's not that cloying guy. And I like gear. I like Guy Fieri quite a bit, but the shows where they dress them up, it's like, here's just a cooking show. And I'm really just watching to watch them cook and kind of take techniques and kind of take notes and shit. And that's kind of fun. Um, a lot of them are dressed up so much like an eighties game show. It makes me want to punch somebody in the head. Um, this one does not, this is, this is really smart. It, it's a very streamlined and the cooking is amazing. Bobby's triple threat. On Max, there's two seasons. It's Bobby Flay. He oh, has picked three amazing chefs. Well, he's picked three amazing chefs that are the, you know, the, his triple threat. And he brings in chefs that then have to compete against each one of these three chefs at a different round. It's it's super. I found it. I'm finding it super entertaining. And my favorite takeaway was like, you know, it's like, oh, how expensive this shit is. Like the first episode of season one, there's this guy that's making fresh pasta. And they usually have like 40 minutes to do all that shit. It was a ridiculous amount of time. Well, you look at pasta makers that will slice the noodles and stuff. This guy has a fucking dowel rod that he has spaced out guitar string on mm. so that he can roll it out and cut it at the same time. And I went, now that's the kind of fucking gutter rat shit I'm going to be doing when I cook. Gutter rat. <laughs> oh, and then you did your, yeah, your third thing. Okay. My yes. third thing this week is a watch. It's on PBS. It is from the wonderful Ken Burns. It's called The American Buffalo, uh, which is about, you know, the untold, That's a the untold generations. It's a mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> right? Ken Burns, Ken Burns does mammoth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's about the history of, like, America used to be covered in living buffalo. And, like, within 50 years, we nearly wiped it out. Yeah, you know, in the late in the 1800s, and I, I mean, Ken Burns, fucking love Ken Burns. I mean, the guy has the ability to make the most boring things interesting, but also yeah. the most interesting things boring. You know, in a in a weird way, like he he kind of does. That that is true. That I hadn't thought of it that way. You're like right, the yeah. country, the country music documentary that he did. It's country music. Like that's that's some super interesting stuff. I couldn't get through it. It was so. <laughs> it's, well, it's yeah, yeah. But this is this is a really good. It's a two-parter, um, and the reason I love it is it, it's interesting. It's Ken Burns, but it's also 
perfect. This is why I haven't been reading a book lately because I've been falling asleep to hearing Peter Coyote's voice talk to me about That's the American Peter Buffalo. Coyote. Yeah. And Peter Coyote, man. Dude, he's the new Wilford Brimley. He's he's better. I he is better than uh uh Morgan Freeman, uh David Attenborough, and James Earl Jones as far as voiceovers. I, I will Yeah, he just he's got it nailed. He's got it nailed. Give me he's Peter Coyote every about. single yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my third thing is, and I know it was very funny when you were watching this movie, you were texting me while you were watching the movie. It upset you so much. I think it's the best movie of 2023. Oh, I saw two movies yeah, last week. What the hell's wrong? With yeah. You? Not, notwithstanding, notwithstanding that, that watching this movie made me feel a little icky because the character of Bella Baxter played by Emma Stone in the film uh, is is basically, this is what I wrote about it. I caught poor things in the theater by myself. Based on descriptions, we decided the ton of graphic sex wasn't really mom's thing. It's brilliant, bizarre, and hysterical. Effectively, a Frankenstein meets My Fair Lady, or as a buddy called it, an NC-17 Edward Scissorhands. The protagonist, Bella, is a woman with a child's mind, completely unsocialized, and thus walks about the world with a single-minded self-interest, a creature of curiosity and sexual hunger who becomes a whore as a part of her journey. Turns out I was married to Bella, which made the film a bit more uncomfortable than I anticipated, but it's still a pretty freaking great movie. Yeah, I was, um, but you're, you're texting was, me during, during the movie. Yeah. This is pedophilia. Hold on. I gotta, this let is, me, ped- oh my yeah, God. Let's pull it up and do a dramatic reading. What the fuck is this goddamn? And you're watching the movie while you're I'm texting. I'm watching the this. movie. Yeah. The, what is what the fuck is this goddamn movie? They've sexualized a retarded child. Nah, man, this movie's too much. Maybe right now, sex with strange men on top. Maybe it's because she's a retarded child. Caps, dude. What in the actual fuck? This is not Dana. Dana was an adult psychopath. Bella is an adult woman with the brain of a 13-year-old at best and obtusely mentally underdeveloped at better, which makes things worse. Is it fu- It's funny, but what's the joke here? And my response was, watch the fucking movie. Then you did. Then you're finished. That movie was really well-directed, incredibly acted, set down, design was gorgeous, interesting and tangible. But what's the plot? What's the theme? N- that not all pedophiles are bad because one died a peaceful death, the other married the girl, one went crazy, so there's that. Female empowerment? Man cannot control her. Okay, but the men trying to control her are pedos, which makes it hard to root for anything other than their demise. And it makes the early sex stuff disturbing. It's a disturbing film, and I'm afraid everyone is missing it i'm all alone on this you goddamn pedos <laughs> I, I, I i'm going to watch this movie again because i feel like <laughs> I, I might have missed something because in between my double header i did slug back three beers yeah i wasn't drunk but maybe i just missed a nuanced moment or something but it, and again, like I praise incredible acting, incredible directing, set design. Go, you know, it's not a bad movie at all. It was. I just, think it's. A, I think it's the best movie of twenty twenty three. It just geeked me out. There was that moment in the beginning where I think it was. It was when she was like clearly a child's mind, and her 
the the assistant, William Defoe's assistant, I can't think of his name right now. The guy looks like Josh Groban. Um, where he's like, she's, what does he say? Like she's mesmerizing or something. Like you can see he's falling in love with her and like, okay, yeah. Is she pretty? Yeah. But she's also clearly a child. Like I could, Yes, but see, like a, at a that time, girl, like what a what a see, pretty young girl. But ew. Here's the thing: at the time, and in the film, when he says that, when he starts falling, when he's like, "I'm I'm I'm so mesmerized because she's so beautiful," um, he thinks she's retarded. And there's nothing wrong with having sex with a retarded woman of age. Because retarded people have to have sex too. And if she happens to be a beautiful yeah. retard, there is simply nothing wrong with a retard. To say that it's just because she's mentally undeveloped that you can't fuck a retard. If the retard has agency and we want to say they're people just like everybody else, then you just then they want to fuck. Let them yeah. fuck. It's also not clear to me if Willem Dafoe is attracted to her or if he's a father figure. I think he's I think he's both. But he's decided. No, he even says he in knows, the movie. But he knows she's got to be. He lady. says. Still he says. He said. Well, he says in the movie that the paternal instinct has overridden any sexual desire. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. Yeah.